Well, what is up, Emmanuel? How you doing? Yeah? Excited? Some of you are like, uh, not that excited yet. Well, hopefully I'll get you excited here. We're starting a brand new series called Pursuing Awesome. I feel like my wife should be up here with me. I'm a little nervous right now. I'm like, where is she? Um, it's awesome having her. How many of you enjoyed hearing from my wife for the last couple of weeks? Very cool. Awesome. I, we had a conversation after, uh, after the service last week. We thought, hey, what would you, would you, would you, would you want to do that? Like maybe once a year, come back. She's like, sure. I was like, really? So would you guys like to hear from her a little bit more? Maybe once a year or so? Awesome. I'm fond of her, uh, so I'm glad you are too. Uh, so we're starting a brand new series today called Pursuing Awesome, and I'm pumped about this series. I love launching a brand new series. It's kind of fun, get things started, you know, get some momentum built. And, and uh, you know, there's a quote in my, uh, in my office that I keep right behind my chair. It's by a pastor named A.W. Tozer, and, and, and this, is, this is what it says. It says, refuse to be average. Let your heart, let your life soar as high as it will. I love that quote because it, it reminds me, it inspires me to try to be all that I can possibly be and, and, and to be the best Christian I can be, the best pastor I can be, the best husband I can be, the best father I can be. And, and it, just, it just inspires me to try to reach my full potential. Let me ask you a quick question today. Does anybody ever, do, do, you, do you dream about living an average life? Anybody out there? I, mean, I just wish I could be like a, a C, you know, just be awesome, just to be average, mediocre, right? Anybody dream about that as a kid? You don't want to grow up one day and be a five, five out of ten, you know, on a scale of one to ten. Five would just be great. Now, we don't, we don't dream about, about being average, do we? No, we don't. I mean, you look at little kids. I mean, I've had the, the privilege of raising, the challenge of raising three kids, and some of them are kind of small, but still. But, but uh, growing up, I've watched them, and, and their, their natural tendency is to dream big. You know, they, they dress up like Superman and Batman and, and, and all these different, they, they want to be superheroes naturally. They want to be in the NBA naturally, right? They don't shoot for average. They shoot for awesome. Anybody raise kids, right? They want to be astronauts, princesses. My daughter has had all the princess dresses, and she'd dress up in all those, and princesses are not average. Princesses are expensive. <laughs> they are. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I think they get more expensive as they grow up. And so, but my daughter, she dreamed about, you know, being Cinderella. And so she wasn't shooting for average. She was shooting for awesome. And, you know, as parents, we try to encourage that. Nobody dreams about living an average life. Nobody gets excited about mediocre, about C plus or C minus. We get excited about being and living an awesome life. The problem is, as John Acuff points out in his book, Start, uh, he used to work for Dave Ramsey, and now he's a speaker and he's an author and this kind of where this series goes, inspired by this subtitle here, going from average to awesome. In his book, he writes this. He says, 99% of the people on the planet do average. Others have said 95%. The idea is that most people, even though they grow up or they start out thinking, man, I want to live an awesome life, they end up settling for an average life. That's a huge percentage. And so kind of just thinking about this series and thinking about this word awesome, thinking, you know, my whole life, and maybe it was the Generation X thing, I'm not sure the, where, the, the, where the stage I grew up, I grew up with that word awesome. And some of you are like, some of you hate that word. You don't like to use that word. Some of you are younger than me and you're like, that's a stupid word. Don't use it. It's dumb. 
okay, well, I grew up on it, I like it, so we, we used it in the series, so it's awesome, okay, so deal with it. Um, so, so, but I just, I love that word because it just, again, it just, it's this picture of doing something that's far above average. And I, I actually hate, I hate average, even though I put up with it in some areas of my life, like my grass. <laughs> Got two bags of fertilizer in the garage, never spread it. <laughs> it's just, it's just the way it goes. You know, golf is another area uh, that I, I, I actually tolerate average, below average actually. Had Three friends of mine asked me to play this week, and so, uh, you know, they all shoot in the 80s, which, you know what that means, that's just, that's pretty good golf, low 80s too, and so we go out there, I'm like, oh, this will be fun, this will be great, I'll just hang out, you know, it's a good time, good friends, and you know, I end up shooting a shot, a, a, a 105. <laughs> it was actually a, a 110, but they told me, they said, no, we don't give out eights, we don't, the highest you can get is a seven. So, so, yeah, actually, actually, my last drive on the 18th hole, I, I, was, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, I've, I've sucked all day, you know, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to let this one go, right? So I get up there, I swing as hard as I can, the, the ball hits the toe of the driver, it shoots like 90 degrees, hits a brick wall, <laughs> and shoots back, I'm not kidding, it could have killed one of us, you know? And I'm like, well, it's a great way to end the round, you know. I must, you know, let's kill one of us, you know. It's just so. So anyway, I settle for actually below average in some areas of my life, but I hate it. I hate. It. I don't like it. I don't want us to be stinky. I don't want to be a C. I'd love to shoot in the 80s. I just, you know, that'll be week three. You talk about why why that happens. But but uh, uh, so but 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 nevertheless, you know, we live. We, we settle for average. You know, growing up, growing up. I think the reason why I hate average so much is because I grew up with a father who was 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 just he was just this crazy softball player, and, and, and the way he approached softball was the way Pete Rose approached baseball, some of you know baseball, just, just with reckless abandon, he played, he played softball like Larry Bird played basketball, I mean, just sacrificed his body, he'd come home with raspberries on each hip because he was sliding and diving, he played shortstop, he was able to, to hit the ball anywhere he wanted to hit it, so he would win batting titles, and he would win gold glove awards, and he would get all these trophies, his, his team would always end up, you know, being in the semifinals or finals or win the championships, so he'd bring home these trophies, and then the as a little boy, some of these trophies were as tall as I was. I mean, they were incredible trophies. They made huge, like, three-foot trophies, and we had nowhere to put them. We lived in a three-bedroom apartment, so it's not like we had a den or anything like that. So where did these trophies end up? In the living room, which was awesome, because in our living room, there was a wall of trophies that, you know, that had accumulated over, over all the years, and then the boys started playing, myself and my two, my two brothers, we started playing sports, and we started to win and, and, and get on teams and, 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 you know, actually have some achievement. This is back in the days where you got a trophy when you won something. <laughs> Remember those days? Now everybody gets a trophy. Oh, you showed up. Here's the trophy. We don't want anybody to feel bad, right? The reality is that some of us are losers, and we, we just don't like to tell you that. <laughs> But, but, uh, uh, but, but so, we, so we, had, we had this wall in our living room of just row and row and row of trophies. So just, you know, as a kid, you're sitting there and you're watching, you know, Woody Woodpecker or whatever it was that was on. And, you're, and you just got this, this wall just screaming at you, you need to be awesome. Like that was the message growing up as, as a kid. And then my brothers would, went on to play Division I baseball. And so it's like, man, that would, they did awesome at that. And so I just felt this pressure to be awesome. And, and it was mostly in athletics, not school. Uh, settled for average there, and then got a little better as time went on. But anyway, um, you know, I just, I just love this idea of awesome. It's, it's just, it's something that, that, that was put inside of me. And then I discovered Michael Jordan. Oh my gosh. 
Just Google Michael Jordan highlights. Some of you have no idea. Some of you have no clue what it's really like, what awesome really looks like. Just, just, just Google that. You'll, you'll be fascinated. And, and, and I, so I just, I was so inspired by that. And, uh, and so I was thinking this week, like, what was a good picture of awesome and I, and, or a good, good analogy of awesome? I, I came across a story about Babe Ruth. And I knew Babe Ruth was an awesome baseball player. And, and of course, you know, he's got all these home runs or whatever. He said, I think, 600 or so or whatever it was. But uh, in 1925, all of Babe Ruth's critics were saying that he was washed up. He had this huge uh, you know, appetite for food, and so he would gain a bunch of weight, and he, he, would, he drank a lot, and so you know, he was starting to strike out more. And so 1925, they, you know, they said, hey, you should probably think about hanging it up. Well, he decided, you, no way. I'm going back, and I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going you know, to stop you know, you know, drinking so much and eating so much. So he, from 1926, the year later, all the way to 1931, check this out, Babe Ruth averaged 50 home runs a year for those five years. He batted 354, which if you're a baseball fan, that's unbelievable, and he batted in 155 runs every year for five years. This is what his biographer said. Mr. Kramer said this, Ruth put on the finest display of sustained hitting baseball has ever seen in a five-year period. From the ashes of 1925, Babe Ruth rose like a rocket. Man, when I read that, I thought, whoa. I had a totally new appreciation for Babe Ruth. You know, I believe an awesome life is attainable for you, and it's attainable for me. Maybe you may not break the home run record. That may not be the area where you achieve awesome in, but it's definitely going to be in some other area. Does anybody want to live an awesome life? Raise your hand if you want to live an awesome life. Some of you don't have your hands up. You're in the wrong church, dude. Come on, lady. <laughs> like, 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 this is a high-challenge environment. We're going to try to squeeze the best out of you and call you to your best possible you know, self that God has created you to be. You know, the reality is that there's not a lot of people living awesome, living out awesome. Why, why are so few people actually experiencing awesome in their life? Well, there's a variety of reasons. Awesome is, awesome is difficult. Awesome is not easy. Awesome is extremely hard. And if you want to live an awesome life, it's going to take focus. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take you trying new things. It's going to take faith. It's going to take courage. It's going to take you facing your fears. It's going to take you overcoming limiting beliefs, facing self-doubt. It's going to take you stepping out of your comfort zone. Oh, the dreaded comfort zone. Nothing great ever comes from our comfort zone. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Nothing great ever comes there. It's been said that the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing grows there. <laughs> it's been said that your comfort zone is your failure zone. Why do we stay in our comfort zone? I believe it's because it's safe, it's predictable, we know that we can perform in our comfort zone, so therefore we never step out, and we never grow, and therefore we never experience an awesome life. We just kind of settle in for what's average and for where we know we can perform and do the things that we've been doing all along. Why, why is it so difficult to achieve an awesome life? Well, the path to awesome is riddled with difficulties. In Jacob's book, he writes about this. This is, this is a great quote, I'll read it to you. He says this. He says, on it, on the path to awesome, there are tall mountains, rocky walls, and even an occasional dragon. Man, this week, Jackie and I, we watched uh, The Third Hobbit, and a fascinating movie. It's the five armies, where the five armies are fighting over the mountain with all the gold in it. Any, anybody Hobbit fan, Lord of the Rings fans? Pretty, not that many of us. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a fantastic movie, and so, the, but right in the beginning of the third movie, there is the meanest, nastiest, ugliest, evilest dragon I have ever seen in any movie. Like, I knew it was a movie, and I was still scared. 
right? And I'm 37. <laughs> I turned 38 this month, right? So I'm like, wow. And we was talking. It sounded like the devil, right? And, and it was right in the beginning of the movie, and I thought, that is how life goes. On the path to awesome, there's even an occasional dragon who wants to spew fire out and burn you alive. Achaph continues. He says, you're going to get bloodied, your discipline will be tested, and your dreams will be challenged. How many times? A thousand times. But oh, it's awesome. See, the reason why so few people experience an awesome life is because there are tall mountains, rocky walls, dragons along the path. Your dreams are going to be challenged all the time, every day. Your discipline is going to be put to the test. We're going to be talking about some of those challenges in this series. What are the difficulties? Why are so many people stuck in an average life, a mediocre life, a C minus, C plus life? Today I want to tackle what I believe is one of the main obstacles to an awesome life, and that's something called the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset is something that Carol Dweck wrote about in her book, Mindset. You know, every now and then I run into a friend of mine at Starbucks, and uh, we'd say, hey, you read any good books? And I'll say one, or he'll say one. Recently, he, last month, he told me about this one called Mindset, written by Carol Dweck. And so I picked it up, and I started reading, I thought, oh my gosh, that is so many people I know. That is me. She's writing about me. She's writing about my life. She's writing about why, why I'm still average in so many areas of my life. She says that the fixed mindset is very simple. This is what it is. I'll explain it to you. It's the belief that your qualities and traits are fixed carved in stone that they cannot change listen she continues your qualities will never grow you're either smart or not smart fast or not smart fast creative or not creative godly or not godly that's the fixed mindset the fixed mindset says i've been given this hand i've been dealt this hand and this is all i have i'll never grow beyond what i have currently received or what i currently have right now, if you've ever seen the movie The Natural back in the 1980s, we grew up watching this movie because we were a baseball family. It was, you know, Robert Redford played Roy Hobbs. Anybody watch that? Natural? What a great movie. The story goes like this. Very quickly, uh, he's been given this natural talent to play baseball. He's got more talent than even Babe Ruth. And uh, he's on his way to become the greatest baseball player of all time. Pitch, throwing, hitting, whatever it is. Along the way, along the journey... He gets shot by some lady in a black dress, which as a kid, when I was watching that, I thought, what? Like, what's that all about? It's kind of creepy. <laughs> but, you know, you block stuff out when you're a kid, so <laughs> the movie went on, and I was fine. Well, 15 years later, after his career gets, you know, you know derailed or whatever, uh, he comes back, and he has this huge comeback, and, and he's able to lead his team to win the pennant. I think it was the World Series or, or something like that, the league, the league championship. And there's the home run, and the hits the lights, and explode. If you've seen the movie, you know, it's a great movie. It's so much fun to watch. He comes, he makes this huge comeback at the age of 35 years old. And the only problem is it's a terrible movie for a child to watch. Not because of the lady in the black who shot him. <laughs> that was bad. But, but it's this, it's the, the message was this. You either have talent or you don't. The, the, the problem with the movie is in the title. The natural. Right? Is that the way life works? That you either have talent or you don't? It's not like Roy Hobbs was able to, to develop his talent and his skill and his ability to become a, one of the greatest baseball players ever. No, 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 it wasn't like that. He just had it. 
And so you, then the little boy goes outside and he picks up a bat and he tries to hit the boy like hit the ball like Roy Hobbs and he can't. He tries to throw it like Roy Hobbs and he can't. What's the message? Well, I must not have talent because I can't do it like he does. If I was a natural, then I could be a baseball player. And then the little boy steps back and he says, "Well, I better stop trying." Have you? Do you have children like this? Because I'm raising a few like this. Like, well, they fail the first time. I must not be able to. They give up. They don't put forth the effort, right? It's the fixed mindset that's settling into their heart. Uh, Dwick says this, the fixed mindset limits achievement. It absolutely limits achievement. Why does it limit achievement? Because if my qualities and character traits and my talent and my, my, uh, my abilities, my, my, my character, if all of those are fixed in stone, then I, what's the point? I can't go any further. I'm stuck. I can't make progress in my life. People with a fixed mindset, they avoid practice. In fact, they despise practice. What's the point of practicing if you cannot improve, right? And so because they don't put forth the effort, they don't put forth the practice to, to get better or make progress, they remain stuck in what we call an average life. That's the problem with average. And the only thing that changes, it's absolutely devastating because the only thing that changes is that you get older. As time goes on, five years go by, ten years go by, nothing really changes except your body gets older. And you never fulfill your potential, you never create the thing you were supposed to create or fulfill the dreams that you once had when you were a child. You never write the book you were supposed to write or create the thing you were supposed to create. Why? Because you have the fixed mindset. It stops us from living an awesome life. There's an article that came out that's been widely quoted from and, and by different authors, but... It was written in The Guardian, which I think is a magazine, um, and I, I found it online, and you can find it, and it's written by uh, a person that was talking about a nurse that had spent a lot of time with people who were dying. Right before their death, uh, she interviewed them, and, and the title of the article is The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. You can Google it later and check it out. The number one regret of people who were dying in a nursery, nursing home from a nurse, from a nurse's perspective, is this right here. This is what they said. Number one regret. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself. Watch this. Not the life others expected of me. Wow. Number one regret. I listened to the feedback of coaches, of parents, of friends, of family members, of a brother, of a sister, and they said, well, I wasn't very good at math, or I wasn't very good at science, or I wasn't very good at soccer, or I wasn't very, and that's not my gift, or I didn't have natural talent in that area, so I backed away, and I didn't go for it, even though I wanted to, I gave up. Listen to what she says later in the article, watch this. Most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they had made or not made. Wow. You know, I don't want to get to the end of my life, and I'm in a nursing home, and do some reflecting, and have somebody ask me, hey, dude, wh like, so tell me about your life. Like, you feel good about it? I don't want to say to them, you know, I think I could have done more. I think God had more in, in in, in the plans for me, but, I, but I, sh I shrunk back because somebody said this or somebody said that. or Somebody thought this or somebody wrote that. And so I, I stayed where I was comfortable and then have to live with that regret as I go to the grave and enter into the next life. I don't want that. Do you want that? Raise your hand if you want that. Not a hand up. 
See, what I want is someone to come to me at the end of my life if I die in that way in a nursing home and say, hey, dude, like, all right, it's coming down. You know, a few days left, a few weeks left. What do you think? I want to be able to say, dude, I squeezed as much as I could out of every day. I gave my best. It wasn't, you know, great in terms of what the world maybe might think, but I gave everything. I left it all on the court. I've got nothing left. I tried my best. That's what I want to be able to say. No regrets. How about you? So how do we, how do we develop... How do we get past the fixed mindset? Well, we have to develop something that Dweck calls the growth mindset. The growth mindset is the opposite of the fixed mindset. And here's what the growth mindset says. Watch this. It's the belief that your traits and qualities can, say it with me, grow. They can grow and they can be enhanced. They can be cultivated through effort and experience. All that means is that if you're here right now in terms of character, talent, skills, and ability, you don't have to stay here. That's not carved in stone. You can actually improve. You can actually get better. You can actually get smarter. You can actually become a better business person. Or you can actually learn math. You can actually learn a language. You can actually change. That's the growth mindset. I run into so many older people who, when it comes to IT and technology and email and and, uh, YouTube and Facebook, and I say, hey, you know, even my own family. My dad, you know, doesn't text. You know, he's like, I'm like, dad, let me send you a text. I don't text. No text. I don't, I don't understand all that. Too old. I don't get all that stuff. Facebook, you know, I can't understand it. That is the fixed mindset, and it limits your life. I want to introduce you to, to a group of people called the cyber seniors. This is going to blow some of your minds, okay? This is, this, is what, this is what happens when you develop something called a growth mindset. Check this out. Hello, YouTube. <laughs> the growth mindset says, hey, I may be here, but I can move to here. And that opens up the door to all kinds of things in your life. That's why we're starting today with mindset. When we talk about pursuing an awesome life, it, it really, it begins at the foundational level of what are you thinking? The title of this talk is Belief is Everything. Do you believe your talents and your skills and your character traits are carved in stone and that's all you got and you'll never be any different? Okay, then that's where you're going to stay, stuck in average. Do you believe that your quality traits and your character and your abilities and talents can grow through practice and experience and effort? Man, the whole world opens up to you. In terms of what is possible in your life. It's such a huge idea. I talk to people and I try to help people all the time. That's, the, that's what I do for a living. And so sometimes when I make suggestions about how to help somebody in their marriage or, or overcome a personal issue in their life, I'll recommend waking up early in the morning before work and spending time, you know, maybe meditating in the, in the scriptures or, or reading a book. And a lot of times, you know what people will say? Perhaps some of you have said it to me. Ah, uh, I'm not a morning person. Okay, as long as you believe that about yourself, you'll never leverage the morning for your benefit. It's all right here in your mind. As long as you believe you're, see, you, that's just a belief that you're not a morning person. You can change that. I talk to people and say, hey, would you read this book? I know this book deals with your issue. Here's the thing, Pastor Danny, I'm not a reader. Oh, okay. 
Uh, so, so as long as you're not a reader, then all of the, the truth and the information in this book will never reach your life. I just, I'm not a reader. See, it's a fixed mindset, right? I talk to people, so I'm just, I'm just this disorganized. I'll always be disorganized. Okay, okay, as long as you believe that, then you'll always be disorganized. Oh, this is a big one. Oh, just, I, I'll just never catch up on my bills. We'll always be in debt. Oh, okay, okay. If that's what you believe, if that's your mindset, if that, that you'll always have be in debt, and you'll always be trying to pay, you'd never catch up on your bills, then, then, you, then you'll probably stay right there, right? The growth mindset says, look, this is where I am, but this is where I can go. Look, there's a guy in the Bible. His name was Peter. Some of you are wondering, are you ever going to open the Bible, like in this church? <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, we're, we're there, we're there. Listen, there's a guy named Peter who, is, who, who, had, who had the growth mindset. Man, by the way, that's why I love the Bible. Every, I read it every day because it is, it is a growth mindset book. Every page is like, look, here's where you are. Here's where you can be. I love it. Read the Bible. It's awesome. Anyway, Peter's in there. He's screwing up all over the place. He's, he's taking his eyes off Jesus and falling in the water. Jesus has to save him. He's taking his sword out and cutting, cutting the guy's ear off when Jesus was getting arrested. And Jesus had to rebuke him and say, put your sword away. Who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Remember that one? If you don't read the Bible you don't but anyway it's a it's a total screw up for peter and he would just make all these blunders one time jesus said to him hey satan he called him satan he said you're not seeing as god sees you're seeing as man sees can you imagine being compared to satan by jesus ouch i mean talk about stabbing you right and then, and then of course peter denies christ three times and the most you know critical point in jesus's life where he's being led to the cross peter says i don't know the guy I've never been with him not a friend of mine oh utter failure. That's why I love Peter, because Peter is a picture of my life. He's a picture of your life. Failure doesn't define us. Failure is actually an opportunity to grow, and Peter believed that. He had the growth mindset. And so after Christ dies on the cross for the sins of the world, and he rises again, Peter becomes this bold preacher. In fact, in his first sermon, 3,000 people get saved. Can you imagine that? Preaching? You, you probably can't because you're not a preacher, but I, I dream about stuff like that. You know, I preach a sermon, 3,000 people put their faith in Christ. Whoa, talk about awesome. He goes on to write two letters of the Bible. First Peter and Second Peter, can you imagine God using you to write parts of the Bible? This is awesome. But he was a total failure. Here's what he believed in his mind. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I blew it. But I don't have to stay here. I can become better. I can improve. I can grow. And this is, all, this is evident in his writings in the Bible. Listen to just one passage, Second Peter 3.18. This is to us and to the Christians back then specifically, but to us as well. But, say it with me, Grow. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grow. What? In the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Greek word right here means to increase or to cause to grow or to make better or become greater. The idea is that you don't have to stay where you are. You can change. Your character is not carved in stone. Listen to what Peter said earlier on in the same book, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5. He says, make every effort. See, this isn't going to happen by, by your, you growing. is not going to happen by, by character being beamed down from heaven, right? Or, or it's not going to be microwaved into you somehow or zapped into you. No, it's going to take effort. Listen to what he says. Make every effort to add to your faith, because that's where we start. We start with faith on this journey. Add to your faith goodness. Just, be, just, just talking about being a good person. Just doing the right thing, integrity. And to your goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. Anybody need to add some self-control to her life? 
and to self-control, perseverance, oh, the ability to keep on going even when it's hard. See, you, that's, that can grow in your life, and he continues, watch, and to your perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. He gives us a list of these qualities, and he said, what you need to do is make every effort on your part to add these things to your character. And then he says this, if you possess these qualities, watch this, in increasing measure, you can increase them, you can have more love, you can develop more perseverance, you can develop more kindness, more goodness, it doesn't have to stay the same, right? If you do that, watch what happens. He says this, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this translation, it'll keep you from being average. No one wants to live an average life. No one aspires to live an average life. If you don't want to live an average life, if you don't want to be unproductive and ineffective, you have to make every effort to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, if you should choose to do that and have developed the growth mindset in your life, you will be the opposite. You will be effective and you will be productive. Translation, you will be awesome and you will live an awesome life. Anybody want to live an awesome life? Raise your hand. Yeah, come on. Absolutely. I want to live an awesome life. You want to live an awesome life. Want to be average? It's going to take some work on our part. And the first thing we got to settle is our mindset. Because that opens up the door for a whole new attitude towards life. Let me, let me close with a question here, coming down the home stretch. This is a question I want you to haggle with this week in your small groups, on your own. Which mindset do you have? Which mindset do you have more of? Is it the fixed mindset or is it the growth mindset? See, people don't have 100% of one and zero of the other. It's, it's not like that. It's more of a mixture. It's like 90-10, 80-20, 70-30, 60-40, Are you 50% growth, 50% fixed? Are there some areas of your life where you believe you have the growth mindset and other areas you have the fixed? It's like that for me, for sure. I'm not sure what the percentages are. It's probably 70-30 for me. Where I'm 70% growth, believing that, man, I can change. And then there's 30% of my life where I'm probably like, mm. <laughs> I probably just can't really ever do that. Even if I tried, I probably just couldn't. I just don't. See, I, I struggle with that. How do you know what the percentage is in your life? It, a win for me today, and, and what I believe God wants to just settle in your heart today, is for you to walk out of here understanding that you need, the, you need the growth mindset and just what the percentages are in your life. So here's what I've done. I've given you six questions to kind of haggle with this week and in your small groups to kind of figure out what the percentages are. Let's work through these really quick, quick and then we'll roll out. Number one. This is helping you discern what type of mindset you have. Do you expect to be better next year than you are right now? Growth mindset person says, are you kidding? Absolutely. 365 days from now, you wait and see. Now, it might not happen, but, but, but they believe that <laughs> something's going to change. They're going to be in better in shape. They're going to be more out of debt, or they're going to have more income, or they're going to be closer to God, or whatever it is. Fixed mindset, eh, it's probably, you know, not much different. Probably stay the same. Might even be 10 pounds heavier, you know, a little bit more in debt, you know. That, that's just the way it goes. That's fixed, fixed versus, you know, uh, growth. Number two, do you seek out opportunities to stretch yourself? So, see, 
a growth mindset person, absolutely. They find themselves just, just, just naturally in situations where they don't quite have enough talent to pull that off. They don't quite have enough knowledge to pull that off. They've got to do some studying and they've got to do some practice to do that thing. They're always in a, they love being in situations that are stretching their abilities. Why? Because they believe their abilities can grow. So they actually put themselves in those environments to grow. Fixed mindset people, ooh, oh, no, 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 no. See, I, don't, I can't do that. So I'm going to stay back here in my comfort zone, which is your failure zone, right? Number three, watch this. Do you shy away from challenges? Very similar question. Fixed mindset person absolutely shies away from challenges. Anything that would challenge you to get outside of your comfort zone, you, you pretty much say no to, right? Growth mindset person loves challenges. You want to do what? Oh, I've never done that before. Let's go, <laughs> right? Number, number four, do you tend, uh, does failure tend to define you? Fixed mindset people, Failure says it all about them. Fail, a failed attempt at a business or, 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 or college or a marriage or whatever it is, failure says, look, see, if you were good, if you were talented, if you had character, if you had skill, you would not have failed. And so failure defines a fixed mindset person. But oh, we're going to talk about this in week three. You're going to love that. You're not going to miss that one. A growth mindset person, they love failure. Like, in fact, if they're not failing, they're upset because they know that failure is a sign that they're stretching. And, they're sh and what happens is when they fail, they take notes and they say, okay, now what happened there? I just totally blew that deal. I just totally blew that situation. I just sinned again, uh, whatever the failure was. And they start taking notes and they start to say, okay, next time I'm going to do this differently. Growth mindset people love to fail. It's part of their agenda to fail. They get upset when they're not failing. I know that sounds, that sounds really weird to some of you fixed mindset people. You're like, oh gosh, I hate failing. It's because it defines you, right? Next one. Do you look at other people's success and think, oh, man, they got a break. They're just lucky. See, look, they got a good hand. You know, their father had money. and You know, they just got a break. They knew somebody. Look, look, look what happened, right? That's the fixed mindset. You look at somebody in your life who's your same age or maybe a little younger or maybe a little older and, and you don't think, man, I wonder how they did that. You think they got a break. You know, President Obama must have sent them a check or something, right? Like, who's helping them out? How'd they get ahead? I'm the same age as him. Like, when's my, when's my break going to come? Right? You sit down on the couch and you watch the news waiting for your break to come. <laughs> Look, I've been there. I've, I've been thinking the same thing for years. Like, like when's my break coming? When's the phone going to ring? When's the email going to come, right? No, it's, just, it's not how it works, right? A growth mindset person, they don't think people get lucky. They go, now, what are the seven things that guy did, that girl did to get them to where I want to be? Because they're doing what I want to do. They're, they're living the dream I want to live. So what are the things that they did? What are their practices? What are their habits? What are their thoughts? Who, who do they know? And they start taking notes and they start doing those things. They don't think they got lucky. They think they've been working. We're going to talk about that in week four. Uh-oh. Time to grind. Time. I'm learning how to grind myself. We're going to talk about grinding in week number four. And then let's look at this last one. Watch here. Is your opinion of practice positive or negative? Oh, I love this question. Fixed mindset people hate to practice. They despise it. Because, again, their, their, their talent, their skill is fixed. So practice means nothing. They're never going to get better. 
So why would I practice? Growth mindset people, they love it. They can't wait to practice. In fact, they're eager. Like, you, if you ever read a little about Larry Bird and, and, and what he would do and when he was a younger kid, and he would practice hours on end at the YMCA, shoot 500 free throws. I mean, just crazy practice. And the people think, what a natural talent. <laughs> what a lucky guy. 6'9", can handle the ball. You, you have no idea how much he practiced, and he loved it. Blake Griffin is, is, is probably the best power forward in the NBA right now. Some of you, that means absolutely zero to you. I apologize. My examples oftentimes come from sports. Anyway, he's this ridiculously good power forward who can dunk on anybody, and, 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 and his coach in high school told him, Blake, you must fall in love with the process of becoming great. Don't, don't fall in love with the idea of being great. Don't even fall in love with being great. Fall in love with the process. You know what his coach meant? There is a process, a work ethic, a practice that you have to engage in every day. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's week number four. But man, I want you to take these questions process them this week, talk to them about your small group, figure out if you're 30, 70, 60, 40, 50, 50, whatever it is that you are, and then get to work on those areas where you're fixed and turn that into a growth mindset. You say, how do I do that? We're going to talk about that in this series. How do you develop a growth mindset so that you can eventually live the awesome life that you desire to live? Nobody wants to live average. Come on, I don't. I don't want to have an average marriage and an average church. You want to come to an average church? You want to come to an awesome church? What do you think? Would you rather? I mean, you, you took the time to get up this morning, right? You took the time to get the kids dressed, which was a labor. You got in a fight with your spouse on the way here. Come on. Come on. Come on. You had to yell at the kids. You lost your temper. You did all of that to get here. Do you want it to be average or do you want it to be awesome? Right? I, 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 thought, I think to myself, God, I don't want to live a day in my life as an average husband, as an average father, as an average pastor, as an average Christ follower, that, that is not what I want. I want the same thing for you. So now let me talk about a little bit about something uh, that is really awesome. And that is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's no one who's more awesome than him. Right? If you, look in the book, if you look in the Bible in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, it describes what he's like. You'll be blown away. I mean, it's just that, that passage in, in Romans 4, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 4 and 5. It describes him as sitting on a throne. It describes him as glorious. It describes him as wearing a crown. It describes him as, you know, being, you know, so beautiful and so majestic that the angels around him cannot stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know, you were created to be in a relationship with him. You were created to know Christ. You were created to know God. And in that situation, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, effort today and, 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 you know, changing your mindset, things that you need to do. When it comes to knowing God, it's, it's this ironic thing. It's this, there's actually nothing you can do. Like the Bible describes you and I when we were born into this world as dead, to, uh, dead in sins and trespasses, which, which basically means that we're spiritually dead. Like there's nothing that I can do to reach out to God and, 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 and be saved from my sins. God knew all about that. And that's why he sent Christ to this earth. That's why he did everything for you. Because you could do nothing to reconnect yourself back to him. 
And so God sends Christ to this earth to die on a cross. You ever wonder why he died on the cross? It's kind of gruesome. Nails through his feet, nails through his hand, crown of thorns on his head. Brutally murdered. You ever wonder why? Here's why. Because all of that had to happen to pay for your sin. See, the penalty of sin is death. Someone had to pay it. Either you're going to pay it or he's going to pay it. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that he paid it for you. He died in your place. And then he extends forgiveness of sins to you and I as a free gift. It's called grace. It's called mercy. And all you and I need to do, and I did this when I was 17 years old, is receive that gift by faith. Listen to, what the, listen to how the Bible describes that, how that actually happens. Paul wrote, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, all that means is that you, you say, Jesus, I believe you are the Lord. You could say it in your mind, you could say it out loud. And you believe in your heart, down in your soul, that God raised him from the dead. That he conquered sin and death. He didn't stay dead, he rose again. What does it say? You will be what? Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of sin. It doesn't say you got to be a really good person, come to church every weekend, make sure you give your tithes and offerings and your money, make sure you do, you know, walk old, lady, old ladies across the street, <laughs> or teach them IT, I don't know. It doesn't say any of that stuff. I think you should do that. You should, you should do good things. But it doesn't say you have to do good things in order to be saved. It says you have to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Then Paul clarifies even more in the next verse. Watch this. For it is by believing in your heart and your soul that you are made right with God. You're reconciled to God. You're put into a relationship with God. And it is, with, it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Some of you need to make that decision today and come to know this awesome God that created you, who wants to know you. And maybe you've been putting this decision off for a while. I talk about it each week. Maybe today is the day. Maybe, maybe this moment is your moment. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And what you're going to do in this prayer is you're going to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you're going to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And not on my authority, but in the authority of the Bible, you will be saved. You become his child. If you'd like to do that right now, I'd ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And pray this simple prayer. It's a prayer that God loves to answer. And if you're ready, just say this to him right now with with the, the faith that you have in your heart, however little it might be, say, dear Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead to pay the penalty for my sin. There's nothing I can do to reconnect myself with you. You did it all. I believe in my heart that you did what I could not do, took care of my sin. Wash me, make me clean, make me your child in this moment. And help me from the rest of, for the rest of my life to live an awesome life, to reach my full potential, trusting you, following you, and loving you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you put your faith in Christ today, you made a decision that hundreds of us have already made. In fact, if you've made that decision before today, would you raise your hand really quick if you put your faith in Christ? Just look around really quick. Look at all the hands. 
you made a decision that many of us have made, and I've told everyone this that I possibly can. Once you make that decision to put your faith in Christ, that begins a journey of you walking with God. And what you need in walking with God is guidance. You need to learn his ways, you need to learn his heart, what he approves of, what he disapproves of. He actually has a will, and he actually has revealed some of that stuff. In fact, he's revealed a lot of that stuff in the, in the scriptures. And so, if you want to follow him, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to begin reading the scriptures. And so what we want to do today is if you prayed to receive Christ, there's tables back here to my left and to my right. Go back there and say, hey, can I have a Bible? And uh, what you do is just open up to today's date. Each day is broken down to about a five-minute reading or so. I read these passages every single day. I read it this morning. Uh, and and it, you'll, what you'll notice is you'll start growing in your faith. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Anybody want to live an awesome life? Hey, I'm, I'm going to push you. I'm going to push myself. Sometimes I may push you too hard. That's okay. Just tell me. Say, hey, dude, back off. <laughs> you know, and I'll try. You know, we'll do it with a little bit more love or something like that. But here, here's my heart behind all the pushing and all the challenging is that I, I don't want you to end up at the end of your life with regrets. Oh, just the thought of that makes me cringe. I don't want that for myself or for you. Say, oh, what might have been, what could have been had I taken more risks, had I believed, had I had the courage to live an awesome life. That's my heart for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the scriptures. It's a book of growth. You're a God who believes we can become something that we are not yet. Help us to step into that and develop the growth mindset so that we can live to our full potential for your glory and for your honor. Thank you for those who put their faith in your son today. Give them the courage to go grab a Bible and begin reading. We pray this in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, next week, you are not going to want to miss it. Each week's going to build upon each other. We're going to talk about the importance of clarity and how vision is absolutely essential for you to live an awesome life. Bring a friend. We'll see you next week.